Hello and welcome to the Business of Authority. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And today we're going to talk about curating your learning habit. What does that mean? Ooh, I love that word curate. I love to use that. It just <laughs> sounds like so special, like we're just carefully choosing the most perfect things. But Rochelle, isn't all learning good? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> Although I have to say some of my worst learning experiences, i.e. failures, were actually the best, you know, in terms of what it taught me. I just wish I could have found a way to learn the lesson a little easier. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes that's the tuition. Yeah. Okay. So where should we start here? Did you have a, this was your idea initially. Did you have a, a inciting incident that caused you to think of this? Well, I don't know if I would call it an incident, but I was thinking about, you know, I'm getting some questions about the mastermind that I'm launching, and it started to make me think about, like, what are the characteristics of, and this is a very specific group, which is clients, people I've worked with in the past, like, what makes them, well, let me say that a different way. I don't want to say what makes them really successful, but I looked at my most successful clients in terms of financially successful and life successful, i.e. they were happy with what they were doing, they were carving out room to have a life. And I realized that there is a learning habit that they all share. I mean, everybody does it differently, but they all have this long-term commitment to really thoughtful learning. And so that's when I thought, well, maybe we could talk about that a little bit. I like that you carefully didn't equate the learning directly to their success, but you've noticed that successful people have a learning habit. And I, I kind of had a similar reaction to this topic idea, which is I'm not sure how correlated learning is to success in business and life, but I think having a curious mind is. And a curious mind is Ooh. automatically going to want to be learning things. That's, yeah. that's my, my hot take yeah. on it anyway. I like that. A curiosity. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I like yeah, that satisfying curiosity is, ex is extremely uh, satisfying <laughs> 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 to coin a phrase. Oh, man, you're um, on a roll today, Stark. <laughs> yeah, that's right. All right. So let's talk about some of either... Uh, we can go back and forth, maybe talk about our different learning habits, maybe talk about uh, students in an anonymous way that maybe have novel things that they do. But, uh, you know, I, I certainly am a lifelong learner, a very much self-taught in most things, honestly, that I do. Uh, so I think we probably have at least one or two or perhaps more examples of, of specifics that we could talk about. Okay. So so one of the things that I see a lot, and of course, you know, I'm a coach, so this is no big surprise, is that um, a lot of clients have a one-to-one -one coach for periods of time. So like not, you know, necessarily five years in a row, like you might engage a therapist, but when you have certain kinds of situations, so they're in high growth mode or uh, you're pivoting or you're trying to break through a plateau, it's this idea that they are not afraid to ask for help from somebody who's been through that or who has helped others, you know, cross the chasm. Got it. Yeah. I have seen the same thing. I've done it myself. Uh, have you ever done coaching? Yes. Yeah. Cool. In fact, I'm even thinking about about doing it um, in a very specific way this year to get some um, insight uh, or some opinion, second opinion, if you will, on a strategy I'm playing with. Oh, cool. Yeah. 
Yeah, I've gone through programs with Alan Weiss, Michael Port. There's either there's others that I'm forgetting, I'm sure. But when I first started solo, I knew I was in for a, a, a steep learning curve because <laughs> <laughs> I had never been my own boss before, and and I I didn't know I didn't even know like marketing was a thing. Like I had sort of heard that term, but I just knew that I was I was um, getting by on luck. I was sure of it. I didn't know what mm-hmm. I was doing. I didn't know what was working. I was just copying my previous boss and without knowing really why it was working, which isn't a, it wasn't a good feeling for me. So yeah, so I've gone, I went through several programs early on. I haven't done it in a while, uh, but I've looked at a few more recently mm-hmm. uh, that, you know, could, I could pull the trigger on in theory, like um, what's that, the super famous Dan Sullivan. Mm-hmm. That That's attractive. Like, I think that's an attractive option. Mm-hmm. Um, Regardless, though, so so coaching that is a really well, at least the way I do it, it's it's a really uh, intense experience. It's like a extreme extreme learning curve where uh, people are taking big uncomfortable strides or strides that would be too uncomfortable to do on their own. Feeling it would feel too risky, you know. It's like the classic. You know, you want to climb Everest yep. by yourself or with a Sherpa. Right. It's like, well, with a Sherpa, they're not going to climb it for you, but they're going to make it a lot easier to succeed. Yeah, you might make it out alive. <laughs> Imagine. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, th- I think the other thing, too, though, I'm thinking back to when I started my first company, like I, I really knew how to consult. I mean, I honed that skill mm-hmm. in the 10 years I had in big firm consulting. I didn't know how to run a business and they didn't have coaches like that then. Right. Like it just didn't exist. And luckily, I had a business partner who was 20 years ahead of me and had built some other businesses. And so it was challenging to have a partner who's also your mentor. Right. <laughs> There's some like special things that go along with that. Um, but once I had enough experience under my belt, then I started seeking out like other people that were ahead of me because mm-hmm. I wanted to figure out like when I sold my company, you know, I'd never sold a company before. I'd just barely built oh, one. And right. so, yeah. So I was looking for people to give me advice and kind of help me through that, that stage so I could grow into those big shoes I was eyeing. Yep. Okay. So, so other than coaching, which obviously is going to be a, probably the first one on our minds. What are other things that you see people who seem to be successful in life and business doing with their time when they're they're thinking about spending their time on learning? Well, let me maybe to give the next example, I might have to say that when I was talking about coaching, I was thinking like one-to-one, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, mm-hmm. but there's also coaching in groups. And so this kind of the second category to me is some sort of a group experience, right, or a group resource. It could be um, either or both. So it could be an experience like a mastermind or a group coaching program, or it could be a resource, like maybe a Slack group where you bounce ideas off of peers. And it's funny, when I started my Slack group, I, I was kind of surprised at how many women already had like up to a half a dozen Slack groups that they were sharing resources with other people with. So Mm -hmm. it's just that idea of having some sort of an organized group resource that you are not managing yourself, but that you're Mm -hmm. taking advantage of. So thinking of examples there, yeah. Uh, There's so many different kinds, right? It's almost like like there needs to be subcategories. So there's, I was in one that was transformative for me that was, it was started by one person, but it was self-organizing. So like one person invited people, but then wasn't the leader. Mm. And 
Uh, I've been, obviously I have Ditcherville, which I'm, I'm, again, I started it and I do participate quite a bit and there's a sort of leadership aspect to it. So it's a little bit, it's not self work It's definitely not self-organizing. And it's if the self is you, <laughs> yeah, right, right for the for the members, right, right, right. and it's a, it's a little bit top down, but I try not to be too top down. I try to I try to amplify the voices of people who are more experienced to help the people who are less experienced. It feels it feels I feel like probably subconsciously I've modeled it after the way my karate school is run by you know mm. by the people who own it. Okay, where there's there's a real. There's a, uh, I mean, I, I almost wish we had belts in Ditcherville because the, the thing about belts is it, is you can see who's been doing it longer, just like it's in your face. Mm-hmm. And and anybody who's a white belt could talk to any green belt and be like, how do you how do you do this front stance? Proper? I feel like I'm not doing the front stance right. And so you can get advice from anybody that's ahead of you, really. So uh, it, I, I would love to do that. But anyway, the point is, I, I, I it feels like, it's a little bit more of a hierarchy than a completely flat. Like the the first mm-hmm. thing I was talking about, PCR, it was called, was f- totally flat. And it was just, you know, it was like, it would be like a, a knitting group almost or like a, a book club where no one's really in charge. It's just like, what do you think? What do you think? I don't know. What do you think? What, do, what have you tried? And that's super cool. And anybody can do one of those. You just need to to have the gumption to invite some people to it. Mm-hmm. And then, like you said, there's sort of masterminds, there's group things, there's more hierarchical things. Um, there are things like just public, like subreddits and stuff like that. I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't think I'd counts. put that. Yeah, because that doesn't feel like it's it's a managed, you know, yeah, experience. That, that might be another category, yeah. Well, and I think the other thing, this topic has come up in Slack a lot lately is, you know, when do you get, you know, one-to-one coaching. And I think for most people, when they first start their business, they probably don't want to invest in one-to-one coaching. Like there's yeah, there's some real basic things you have to do. And then there's a bunch of choices that you can make. And I think group coaching is a really good avenue for that. It's less expensive. It gives you the advantage of having both a leader, somebody who presumably knows this craft, if it's a craft that you're learning or how to run a business. Um, and then you have peers, so you've got some other people to to share with. Um, yeah. It doesn't always work for people further along. There are a lot of I, I've again I've just found this in in my practice is that um, you get to a point revenue wise where you say you know what I don't want to be in a group experience unless it's like a mastermind where I'm not being put through these specific paces right, right. The, the, this leader quote unquote is not going to like tell me the five ways I have to do X because <sighs> they're just not interested in that right at that point they're they're looking more for the the peer experience or the one-to-one with mm-hmm. a coach where they're going through something that's really challenging and they want some help. Yeah. For, for me, I think the coaching, for me as a potential customer of one-to-one and and as a seller of one-to-one, it seems to work best for people who are, who are by any measure successful, but they're just feeling stuck at a level and they want to get to the next level in, in some aspect of it. And mm-hmm. they're just like, like what you know, it's like what what you did to to get you here is not going to get you where you want to go, kind of thing. It's yeah. like what, it's almost like what do I need to stop doing or what do I need to start doing differently? Like these habits got me to a quarter of a million dollar a year business, working forty hours a week, but it's been like that for five years. What now? Mm-hmm. You know, that's a perfect time. Yeah. But if you're if you're thinking about quitting 
a a $70,000 a year corporate job and hanging out a shingle, you know, spending five figures on -on one-on-one coaching is probably not the best bang for the buck. No. Probably, (laughs) I mean, that is the stage where I would read everything. And I'm notice we haven't mentioned books anywhere <laughs> anywhere yeah. near the top of this list yet. Uh, but that probably is. I would start to educate myself about the terminology. This is the basics, the 101 stuff that you could learn from anybody. You might as well save your money and spend 20 bucks or maybe 100 bucks on five books that, that are highly recommended classics. And just like, okay, just get your head around the, the landscape, like w- just the, the big picture. Like what are the regions of running a business? That kind of a yeah, thing. and it's it's funny, you know. When I started my first business, they had some kind of like an expo or something. It was like a women. Oh, I think it was called the Women's Business Development Center. Now that I think about it, in Chicago, who knows if they're still there? But I remember being at this big event at a table, and I was so excited because I was surrounded by other business owners. I'd never been in that environment before, and I was sitting mm-hmm. next to a woman, and she was telling me about her business, and she was a nurse. And she was designing this business and she didn't know anything about business. And I realized how lucky I was that, I mean, I had an MBA, but an MBA doesn't always teach you what you really need to know about (sighs) running a business, right? And so it was fascinating. And so I so respected her. I mean, she was just soaking it up and she used every resource that that center had to offer. And a lot of them were free. Mm. So, yeah, yeah, I think it's yeah. really, really important to, to kind of match your, your learning to the stage you're in. Right. So if we, if we assume, though, that the listener is like way past that stage, then I, I don't know if we want to go into books. So like, what are, yeah, what are some other things I, near the top more, of your list? Yeah, I have some more before books, I think. Yeah. So, um, you know, in, in my book, I call it the rack, your rat pack. But I, I like this idea of you assemble this little group and they can be like really close friends in your life, but they have to have a business, right? It's mm-hmm. the, you find a little business rat pack where, and it, you don't have to talk with them as a group it's individual. So it's like, who do you turn to when you have a question? Like right. Jonathan, we are in each other's rat pack, <laughs> yeah. right? Ride or die, right? right. Um, and, and I have some other people that I have that kind of relationship with too. And it's, you know, it's a two way. So, and I might be better at one thing, the other person might be better at something else. And sometimes you just need a sounding board with someone else who knows you, kind of knows your business, and but knows business. Yeah, I totally agree. It's like a, a little, like, like, it's a little private social network, a real small intimate one where you can, mm-hmm. like, it's like one of the things that we noticed when PCR shut down eventually, because we were all kind of like outcrew it. We were we were all kind of like we got to the same place and we were all sort of echoing the same. It's like yeah yeah we all learned that together. So you know we all know the same thing about that. Like we needed mm-hmm. we needed to shake it up with people who are like a little bit um, where their skills were not all so similar because we ended up becoming very similar to each other um, in a good way. Like we were all better off than we were, but it it, it became time to like you know close close the doors. Um, but the thing, the thing that I missed when it was over was that was the only place on planet Earth that I could go and say, oh, my God, I just landed a $50,000 deal. Or like there's the only mm-hmm. place you could talk about money anywhere. Yeah. You can't talk yeah. about money. At least in the United States, it is frowned upon. 
Yeah. And I was like, ah, you can't, it's like, there's nowhere to share wins. There's nowhere to share like, you know, someone being like, oh my God, I got a $55,000 tax bill. You know, like, what am I going to do? And mm -hmm. th this actually happened once. There, somebody was like, I got this huge tax bill and someone else, it had happened to them like the year before or in the past. And they knew of some program that allowed you to defer it and like, like make payments with no penalty or something and it was just like no way <laughs> it, it, and you just yeah you know if you've got an accountant sure you could talk but but accountants in my experience are just they're not i mean yes they own the business but they think about they think about business a very different way and you're not going to call your accountant and be like what should i do about this employee <laughs> right or, or definitely whatever. not so this it's like it's like a, a place where you can share stuff that you can't share anywhere else to get feedback, support, high fives, um, mm -hmm. assistance, uh, sounding board, all of that stuff. And it's, it's super, it, and it's, it is a learning thing. Like it's a, it feels more like a growing thing, but I guess that's learning too. It is, it's, it is very yeah. intellectual. Well, it's also very hands-on, which I, I really want to make sure that when we talk about learning, we're not just talking about, oh, I'm sitting in a classroom or I'm cracking a book. I mean, there's a lot of ways to learn. And having you know um, conversations with other people who are in our stage or better yet, ahead of us yeah, who are willing to talk to us, right. right? And share some of that. And then the flip side too, I mean, you know, you're paying it forward. So there's, there's going to be people who are behind you who you help. Mm-hmm. Right. So it, there's a lot of reciprocity all the way around. Like sometimes yeah. you're helping, sometimes you're helped. And that was the problem when we all kind of got to the similar level where it was like, we're all like, yeah, that's what I would have said too. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, okay. So this, the great thing about this is they're free, right? Like you can, yeah. you could do this. You could just reach out to a group of people and kind of curate the, the, you know, the people that you're, that, that you want to put in this group and, you know, in the Priya Parker uh, uh, ethos, set some like, ground rules, but some basic principles or whatever. Like, this is what this is for. Here's here's what's, you know, culturally speaking, these are going to be the norms of the room. Just a little bit, a little bit of guardrails around what it's for and, and like what's appropriate and what's not appropriate. You know, can you share stuff outside of this room or with other people or, you know, what are the what's the deal? But just well, a couple bullet know, points. I'm going to stop you there just because I'm thinking of a slightly different category than you are for this one. I'm picturing that these are your buds, but you're not a group. So you have one-to-one -one relationships with each of these people. But I have your point as another one. <laughs> I see. Okay. So you're just talking about, you, like you said, you're... you're what did you say, Rat Pack? Yeah, Rat Pack, okay. yeah. And and I this is the thing that I find, you know, successful people in our kinds of businesses, you know, expertise businesses, that's usually the first thing that they do is figure out, okay, who can I talk to, right? Because mm. you're just starting out, you probably don't want to spend a lot of money, and the money that you do want to spend is probably on things like, you know, incorporating or getting an LLC or right. setting up a website or, you know, it's going to be stuff that's not this. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it's like, I've got this question. Who in my network do I think might know the answer to it? And just sort of like, and then it's like, oh, okay. So it turns into this group of people who on a one-to-one -one basis, you might reach out and, and help each other. Yeah. Yeah. It's like when I was writing my book was, is an example. Um, you know, I, I gave it to a couple of folks in my rat pack to read. You've got to read it ahead of time. Thank you. Um, yeah. And, 
I also got different kinds of support from different people in the group. Like, and again, it's not a group. It's like, it's my pack of, of folks. But um, like one of them just like made me soup and said, just come over for dinner at yeah. 630. Just show up at my door. I don't care what you look like. Just show up. Don't bring anything. Just come. I'm going to make you soup. <laughs> it was so wonderful. <laughs> there, there are a lot of different things to get out of a rep pack. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Okay, so yes, yes, I stand corrected. I was thinking more of the more of a a, uh, a group where the people in it have access to each other. Yes, and and they might. I mean, because we, you know, it's not unusual for us to know some of the same people. But I don't sure. think of it as like an organized group so much as right. the people that you can you can ask questions of and lean on when you need help. Gotcha. Okay. Well, was that the next thing on your list? Like a peer? Group? I had I had one I had one in between, but I don't know if it matters so let's let's do let's do the one you were alluding to next so for me i was thinking that that's like a um a place right you have a place where you can like make friends you can learn you can contribute i mean it could be like a slack it could just be like a virtual watering hole but it could be anything and it could be you know industry specific it could be skill specific i mean there's uh, i mean an literally unlimited number of ways you could slice and dice it mm-hmm. yeah i'm in a, i'm in a few of these as a matter of fact uh some are free some are paid and and they are organized around us each one is sort of a, got a central principle mm-hmm. and it's great it, like i don't go there all the time uh some of them are huge some are big some are uh i don't not in any small ones anymore pcr was like 15 people i think at the most uh, most of the ones, I think the smallest one I'm in is like a couple hundred people. Mm-hmm. And it's a very specific kind of person. It's usually soloists, but not always. It's not consultants. It's people building uh, products online, makers, mm-hmm. geeks and makers and that kind of a thing. And 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 there are some times when I'm like, oh, I got to go over to this Slack room. I, I know exactly in the Slack room who's, or I know someone in yeah. there is going to know the answer to this. And it might be a question I have. It might be a question a student had. It might be a question somebody in Ditcherville had. It might be just networking for someone, or I had a Rolodex moment for someone. Be like, oh, I remember somebody was looking for a ghostwriter. I was just, you know, it's like, oh yeah, they were over there, you know. So it's like, mm-hmm. it's, um, it's great. It's the same with, and it's the same with all of these Slacks. Like I have, I'm probably logged into 15 Slacks, probably. Uh, I'm going to guess six or seven of them are mine. So what does that leave? Like eight or nine. And, you know, I just dip in occasionally, but it's super valuable when I do. Even if I go in and I'm yeah. like, hey, does anybody, what does anybody think of? Oh, I, I made this, this little like micro spreadsheet tool thing. Like, I think it's pretty cool. Like, does anybody, you know, it would be for people like you. Does anybody think this is anything and be like, and everyone's like, I don't know how I would use that. That seems dumb. And I'm like, all right, dumb idea. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's that's where you have a concentrated group of people on a thing, like your maker group. Mm-hmm. Those are so helpful. And you don't use them all the time. Right. But they're there kind of like humming in the background, like the air conditioning on low. Mm-hmm. Yes, like my computer fan always in the background. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's great. It's great. Um, and there are different ones for different, yeah, obviously there's different ones for yeah. different things, but it, but it's, to me, I, and it is learning, but it's such a, 
it's such a different kind of learning than like reading a book. It's like, um, it feels more. It's like a resource. Yeah. But it's like, like books often are more theory and this is more practical. And it's, it's like, it's like, I wonder if people are going to like this thing I built. Well, let me go talk to the people I built it for instead of reading a book like, you know, about product market fit. I'll just Mm -hmm. go to the people, you know, like, you know, wondering what they need. Ask them. (laughs) Like books are great for a certain thing, but but um, but there's nothing beats going to the market. Right. It's like seeing what's working. Yeah. I mean, it's a combination. I mean, there's no one thing that's like the answer and mm-hmm. everything else sucks. It's it's kind of piecing it all together for you, right? Sure. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. I think books are probably like bang for the buck. They're top of the heap if it's the right thing for you at the right time. It can also be yeah. a giant time <laughs> suck. I like R- Ramit Sethi has a set of money rules. And one mm. of them is... If, if you're thinking about buying a book, buy it. Like, don't yeah. spend any time thinking about it. Just think about it. It's 20 bucks, right? Yeah. And you just, yeah, it's just going to be waiting for you when you're ready to read it. Yeah. And we've both written books. Obviously, we're into books. but Yeah. Right? There's Love there's books. a place in time. It's it can, get, it can get like, oh, I need to read everything on this subject to get, you know, I've been in business for eight to 10 years and I need to read everything on this new subject. It's like, well, I don't know if that's the best. <laughs> Well, I mean, I think we've both done this. When I when I wrote my book, I I literally couldn't read any other books on the subject at the time because I was afraid I would somehow wind up writing their book. Yeah, I do that with instead workshops. of mine. Yeah, and I didn't want to like I didn't want to like unconsciously like lift something right. from somebody else's stuff. It, it, I just I had to keep it out of my my psyche, which is unusual because I'm a voracious reader. Like I usually am reading two or three, at least two or three things at once. Mm-hmm. So yeah. 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 Okay. So we're at, where are we at on your list? We're well, at- I've got, I've got one. Well, I guess I have two more. So the other one is that um, folks will periodically buy like programs or experiences to learn a skill or maybe consider a new way to do something. So like maybe you want to study your like brand or you want to think about how can I get better at writing e- sales emails or um, uh, I, I want to master LinkedIn. You know, I'm going to mm-hmm. learn to podcast. So you just buy those programs. And I, most of those are not very expensive. Most of them are under $500. Some are more. Um, mm-hmm. But you invest in them based on what you think you're going to get out of them, not really what the cost is. Right. Yeah. The and financial I, cost. I mean, so as we've said many times, there are a lot of different versions of this. It could be self-paced courses. It could be a, could be an email course. It could just be a workbook with some videos that goes with it. Uh, but I'm a massive fan of the cohort model where a group of people go through to learn the, with, with my workshops that are all to learn a specific skill. It's either how to do a sales interview and write a proposal with value price proposal, or it's how to learn how to podcast or how to start a daily email list. It's like all these very specific skills uh, that you would go through with a group. And to me, the learning in a scenario like that comes from doing it. It's like a, it's like you're practicing. It's going to become a practice in every one of these cases, maybe proposal writing. Hopefully you'll be doing enough of those that it becomes a practice, but certainly daily writing uh, and, and podcasting, that's a practice. So you might as well start practicing. 
And to do that, it's just so effective. It's not like there's one right way. It's not like, it's like, here's, it's not, it's not like building a bridge or something where there's like tolerances and, you know, spec. And it's like, look, you're just talking to a microphone and putting it on the internet for free. So you can kind of do whatever you want, but that paralyzes people. So it's like, just get started. And the things that you learn are almost about yourself. It's almost like you learn how to have confidence that you can do it. It's not the mm-hmm. it's not the mechanics of the thing. It's more of a psychological, I think. Um, totally. But it's this kind of, I mean, I, I suppose I suppose I have like a really strong bias in this direction because all of my background, like all of my background, is in some sort of performance art, and it's like there's just no learning it in a book. Like you have to practice it. I feel like we're bashing books every turn. <laughs> like book learning is important for lots of things, but um, I, the, there, but there are certain things where, like, you're not going to learn how to ride a bike by reading a book. You're not going to learn how to do a podcast by reading a book. You can learn what's involved, but mm-hmm. you still got to do it. You still got to stop saying right. um. You, you still have to gotta, practice, right? You got to figure out how to invite guests and actually get them to get you know join you. There's all of these, all of this practice. Um, in 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 my list, basically, when we were prepping for the episode, my list was really oriented for getting your hands dirty type stuff. So yeah, so I think workshops, courses, I agree with you, there's great bang for the buck, condensed uh, material, you know, obviously, assuming the person knows what they're talking about, and it's a good course, you go through it, it's like, wow, you can, you can really get a lot out of it very quickly. Hopefully there's like, even if it's by yourself, hopefully there are exercises and practice and this kind of thing to kind of solidify the learning piece and not just infotainment where you go through and be like, oh, that, that will really work when I do it someday. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe someday. Right. Yeah. No, I, I agree. This, it really, it, and all of the things I've mentioned so far, they really are, um, have, they heavily lean on individual experimentation you know with the help of someone like you're mm-hmm. getting some kind of guidance Ooh, I look, guided experimentation that feels like what i try to do with people in coaching and in ditcherville it feels like guided experimentation i wonder mm-hmm. if that's a known term keep your eyes peeled for the book guided experimentation <laughs> how to curate your learning habit by jonathan stark <laughs> but but yeah, but I, when I think about, you know, the consultants I've worked with over many years, I mean, that is what they do. It's like yeah. some things they do on their own and they do just fine doing them on their own and other things they reach out for someone to help them. And, you know, there's no shame in asking for help. It's the exact opposite is mm-hmm. the people that are willing to say, you know what, I can't figure this out. I need some help are usually the ones that make a big leap because they're open to it. And even if you want to make that big leap and you make a choice, you buy a course or you get a coach and it doesn't work, it doesn't mean that that was a bad decision, maybe it was just the wrong program or coach. Now, yeah. I'm not saying go out and look for 47 programs about one thing that you want, but you know, it's not always, sometimes it's just that there's a bad match. There's just oh, a yeah. bad fit. And you just, and people who are successful go, you know what? That one didn't work so well. I'm going to find a different program that I think is going to help me get through this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that, I think that's that's true with everything. Like books are a good example because people are like, oh, well, books should, you know, it's a common question. Like, what's, do you have a reading list? Could I look at the reading list? And I'm like, yeah, but 
like the, these books were all great books for me at the time that I stumbled across them. If I read one of them now, I might be like, like, yeah. this is too, <laughs> this is silly. This is one-on-one. Because -on -one. some really good books, you forget how much they change you. And then you read them again. It's like, well, this is obvious, <laughs> yeah. which is so yeah. unfair to the book. But um, it really, it really has to do with getting paired up with the right um, sort of altitude of information at the right time. So it could be, yeah. it could be over your head. Like a lot, of, a lot of when I, for years I heard of Seth Godin just to use him as an example. And I signed up for his email list and I'm like, what is this guy talking about? <laughs> it was over my head. <laughs> it was totally going over my head. And, and then one day, you know, an email came across and I was, and it was just like huge light bulb moment. And then I went, yeah, anyway, the timing, it was just, I wasn't sophisticated enough to understand the the level he was playing at or writing at. Yeah, and I think that's a good example with coaches too. Like the if let's just use the example of a one-to-one -one coach. The one-to-one -one coach you would use at the beginning of your business, i.e. you probably wouldn't, um, mm. versus the one that you use after you hit like a quarter million dollars or a half a million or a million is probably gonna be a different person with different right. skill sets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and your desires are going to be wildly different. Like you've climbed halfway up Maslow's hierarchy of needs at that point. So you're going to be, or if not higher. So you're going to be like just a completely different place. And it's it's a rarer, it's a smaller group of people that are at that place. So you're farther up Everest and you're like, we're running out of air. Like, what do we do now? <laughs> we didn't have this problem farther down. Yeah. Well, and that's also why when you get to that point, you don't want to be in a room with people who are still like climbing the first mountain. You're like, that's great. I'm help. happy for yeah. them. But I, yeah, they're not going to help me get to this next thing I want to do. Mm -hmm. Okay. So where are we? Well, so we're I had one last category. Yep. I had one last category, but we really started to talk about it, which is books, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, and I think I, I, I really like your... Your points about, you know, books are for certain kinds of learning. They're generally not practical. Some are. Some are really practical. Like, do sure. this, then do this, then do this. Um, there's there's a few books about writing books that are like that, right? Yep. Step one, step two, step three. Um, but yeah, but I think the, the, the interesting thing with books is, uh, you know, like I said, I'm always reading, um, is that they can open your mind up to how you can apply an idea, especially outside of your um, your knowledge base, and apply it to what you do. So I love being able to do that. But there's also the dark side, <laughs> you know, and that's where like you read a book and you come out of it and you're like, oh man, that was the best book on this that ever I ever read. And I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this. And then it maybe doesn't work mm. for them because mm -hmm. it wasn't the right strategy, or they did it wrong for all sorts of reasons. And then it's, so, so they're looking to everything else to fall into the, the formula that they fell in love with in a book. Or um, I've also met some people like this, they go from book to book to book, and every time they read a new book, they change like a fundamental thing about their business. Oh. And it's really hard to be successful when you do major experiments all the time. Uh-huh. That's a good point. I didn't yeah, even think about that Yeah, you can't tell what's one. working. Yeah, you don't give enough time. You're like ripping the garden out every three weeks. Yeah. 
It's like, oh, I should have put it over here. Oh, I should have planted different seeds. Oh, I used the wrong fertilizer. It's like, give it a second. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and that's the hardest thing. I mean, especially early on in your business, right? It's like you want to make the money. You want to recover your salary from whatever you were doing before. And you just want that damn thing to grow. Yeah, that's way at the bottom of the pyramid where you're like scared of not having food, shelter, that kind of stuff. Yep. So the, uh, I'm a huge fan of books, best bang for the buck, totally agree with Ramit's advice. Like if you're thinking about it, just do it. Um, cautionary tale is if, you, if you're if you procrastinating by doing air quotes research, by reading a bunch of books, you have to apply it or it's a waste. Like Ooh, good. You, if you're not applying it, you're just wasting your time. So that's, that's critical, right? So like that's, a, that's an important balance. It's like, read the book, it's like, if you thought it was good and you're energized, like you just described, then, then yeah, well, what, what can you put into practice? What can you try? Um, another thing is like, and this is sort of similar to your, you know, changing the business every time you read a good book is, is there's this, this thing I see sometimes where people like they, they get read a good tactical book. It says all the things and then they do all the things they go to put it into practice, but it doesn't work. Like you said, and it's like, what? There's, there's, my gut instinct is like, well, why didn't it work? It's like, well, it could be that the strategy and objective that they were going toward are not the same as yours, or there's a misalignment there because a really tactical book isn't going to work for everybody because tactics come from strategy, which is based on your objective. So if the objective is wrong or is so poorly defined, it's just like make a million dollars or whatever, something really vague, success without defining what that means, then the tactics, it wouldn't be surprising at all if the tactics didn't work. Uh, there's also sometimes when you go to put tactics into into um, practice, you hate them. Yes. Oh my God, yes. I hear that all the time. Yeah. <laughs> but I, you know, I hate reaching out to people on uh, LinkedIn DMs or uh, I can't stand Facebook ad manager. I hate Facebook. I'm not going to do Facebook ads or, or, uh, you know, whatever. I'm basically talking about myself here. It's, um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I knew I sensed a theme in here. <laughs> yeah. There's a million tactics that, um, you know, will do this on TikTok, do this on Instagram. There's all these tactics that probably they, they definitely do work for some people. They definitely do. You can see them out there, but that doesn't mean that they're right for you or you could tolerate them or, or that they'll, and if you, if you're just tolerating them, then they might not work. Like that might be the piece that's missing. Like the, the sort of joy and excitement of doing the thing. Well, and it's when you're out of alignment is how I think about it. So if you're a quiet, reserved person and you're thinking you have to do three TikTok videos every day. Uh, that's going to show on your face, right? It's just going to show if, <laughs> right. if you could even do it, like you maybe you could make yourself do it for a limited period of time. But yeah, so there's matching what you read about with your own style, but it's also about your audience, right? Mm-hmm. It's, you know, if you've got a, a sophisticated 
a Fortune 500 audience, probably, I won't say never, but probably doing crazy-faced um, TikTok videos is not really going to be a thing, right? It's not going to bring your audience into you. So you got to right. find what hits your audience, what aligns with your brand. And by brand, I also mean your personal style and how you how you really enjoy uh, working and teaching people or, or um, consulting with them, whatever it is that you do, how you make those transformations. You just want all of that to be in alignment. And that takes a while. Right. Because, mm-hmm. you know, when you first start your business, you're just worried about, you know, as you said, food on the table, roof over your head. And then, you know, you get to the point where you're like, OK, I've got a sustainable business. I know I can do this. I don't have to go back to corporate. OK, I'm good. Now what? Mm-hmm. Right. That's when you really start spending time understanding your strengths and where you have preferences, where you want to spend your time or the people that you want to serve or the way that you serve them. I mean, that's when it all starts coming out. It starts getting good. Mm, right. So for thinking in terms of curating a learning habit, just as an example to kind of make it concrete, if you're reading a book and you get like, I just did this with a course. I did this with a course. I paid, I don't know, 450 bucks for a video course, self-paced by myself, you know, not a community cohort thing. And I'm going through it and I got to a point in the middle. I'm like, I'm never going to do this. And I just stopped watching it. Mm-hmm. It's like, I am yeah. not going to do this. So, okay, do I... Do I ask for a refund? No. Do I worry about the 450 bucks? No. It's like, it was worth it to find out that this is not going to work for me. So that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a great so example. We, because it doesn't always work the way we think of working when you when you take one of these things. Right. And it's it, just, go ahead. Sorry. No, but if it gives you insight into what's not going to work, that's valuable too. Right. Exactly. It's learning, right? It's like, oh, this is not an option for me. And it's the same with a book. If you're getting, if you're in a book and you're like halfway through it, there's no, there's no award for finishing it when you know you're just like, no, this is, this is not the right time for this book. I don't get it. I'm not enjoying it. I'm not going to apply it. Just, just put it down, give it to someone else or Mm -hmm. save it for later. Yeah. Um, what else? So there's, I think there's one that we sort of touched on, but we didn't really explicitly that um, is just conversations with the market. Like, so go to the market and have conversations. So we're obviously everything we're talking about here is in the context of building an expertise-based business. And, and you know, you got to sell stuff. And learning how to do that, learning what people's pains are, learning about the buyer, the ideal buyer, the, the people in the target market that, that who you can help and have a positive impact on. To me, that you're never going to get that out of a a book or probably not out of a course. Uh, it's it's like the cutting edge. It's the stuff that can't be in a book almost. It's like, it's so, I mean, there's certain things are evergreen, but but the, the specific instantiation of these evergreen concepts, like I need more leads, somebody help me get more leads, or I want to increase my profitability. You know, like, like, of course, if you're doing a B2B kind of thing, then your buyers are going to want stuff like that. They're going to want business outcomes. But the specifics of the situation in the age of, I don't know, the internet or mobile or AI, all of the all of the details are going to constantly change. And they're not going to be in a book that's going to last for very long. If you're, you know, a, a, mm-hmm. a great classic book that sells for years and years and years is, is principles or theories or um, just general human truths but translating that into something that's that's going to get traction today 
is an exercise and it's a practice and it involves conversations with your buyers probably almost for sure. I mean, it certainly wouldn't hurt. <laughs> so for me, my, my, um, the learning experiences that I trust the most are little experiments, which is something that we've talked about forever and ever. It's like doing experiments, disprove, having a hypothesis, proving it or disproving it, moving on, learning from it, moving on, making a new experiment and, and just like the proof is in the pudding, right? It's like, like mm -hmm. comedian, if you, if the crowd laughs, it was funny. Like the critic can say, oh, you know, Seinfeld's really over the hill. It's like, it's like we voted, they laughed. It was funny, right? Like there's no, there's no arguing it. If people are giving you their money, if, if you go to somebody in your target market and say, I'm thinking about this thing. And they're like, oh, like, yeah, I'll take, can I buy it? Can I pre-order it? Like that is, that is learning, right? Like you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. And it's a special kind of learning that is especially important in business. And if you've never sold things before, it's really one of the early things that you want to do. It's great training too, is to, you know, to listen to what they have to say, to ask them questions, to not try to sell, but to listen and take it in. You can sell later, right? But yeah, I, it, I totally agree. It's the whole exercise of interacting with your market is something you just want to get used to right now because whether you are doing one-to-one -one services or whether you are selling stuff, you are going to need to hear what they're thinking. Mm -hmm. There's a, maybe we could end on this story from, do you know, George, do you remember who George Thurgood is? Sort no. of a, a singer, um, you know, bad to the bone. The bo -bo 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 bad. Oh, I that I know. Well, <laughs> right? yeah. Well, so in an interview one time, he said he's like shaking his head about um, songwriting competitions, and he's like, "If you want to know if your song's good, go stand on the street and play it. And if at the end of the day there's money in your guitar case, it's good. You know, it's like <laughs> right. It doesn't have yeah. to be complicated. You don't have to read a thousand books on how to fill out a songwriting form, a uh, songwriting contest form submission." you know, like taking a class on how to take the SAT, you know, to game the test. It's like sometimes books, all the books and courses and blah, blah, blah can, can be a version of that. Not all the time, but to me, the, the inarguable place to learn is in the market doing experiments. So like someone will come to me in Slack and say like, I'm thinking about doing this. And in my mind, I'm like, that might work. I don't think it's going to, but it might, but I'm not going to say that to the person. I'm going to say, how could you test it? And they'd be like, oh, good idea. I could, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, all right. Like, I don't need to tell them it's not going to work because maybe it will. Well, yeah, maybe you're wrong. I mean, right. I could be wrong. Yeah, we could all be wrong. There's a percentage chance that I can't see the future. <laughs> 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 I mean, I might have failed at that exact same thing, but, you know, it might have been 10 years ago. So usually I'm going to say, well, you know, is there a way you could test that? Yeah. And, and, and prove me wrong. I see that a lot of times with, with coaching students in Indigenville, it's like, well, I mean, I, I would do it differently if it were me and maybe I would give them an example, but the proof's in the pudding. If you can make that work, yeah, then I'm wrong. You know, it's a loop, you know, if you think about it, it's, it's, there's a learning loop and, you know, including your clients and buyers in that loop <laughs> will serve you well. It may frustrate you temporarily, momentarily, but long-term is the way to go. Yeah. So curating your learning habit, right? So yeah. stick with the stuff that is demonstrably effective for you, 
right? And jettison the stuff that's not because everybody's got limited time and, and taking all these courses and reading all these books and spending all this money adds up. So like, what's yep. the stuff that's the most effective and, for and you. stick with that stuff? Yeah, for you, not yeah. in general. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, that's it for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And we hope you join us again next time in the Business of Authority. Bye. Bye-bye.